Good News Church. My name is Luke Stevens, and I am the son of the bald and beautiful Travis and Kanan Stevens. Uh, I have been coming to Good News for uh, my whole life, pretty much, uh, and I've loved every minute of it. As you can see from the screen, I have known this kid for a while. Uh, we've grown up in the church together, and now he's going to tell a little bit about himself. Hi, my name is Henry Pertil. I'm the son of Ed and Beth Pertil, who are worshiping with me this Sunday. Um, I've been coming to Good News since as long as I can remember with this kid. Um, and I was just wondering, Luke, is there any possible way to get in touch or to connect with Good News Church? As a matter of fact, there is. Uh, if you're new or visiting, welcome. Uh, located on the seat backs in front of you is something called the Connect Card. Uh, it is a great tool that Good News has been using uh, to connect with you and uh, others. So if you would take one of those, fill one out, put as much or as little information as you feel comfortable with, uh, putting on it, and also if you would, uh, you can mark if you would like to have lunch with a pastor, uh, that's a great way to connect and uh, ask questions and also eat some food, so if you'd uh, mark that, and then if you put them on the black boxes uh, on your way out, uh, I'm pretty sure, is there anything else that's going on, Henry? Actually, there is. <laughs> Following the 1030 service is our summer splash event. Um, there will be food, bounce houses, and water slides, shout out to Jumperama, my boss told me to say that. Um, <laughs> yeah, there'll be lunch, and everybody's invited for some food and some fun. Um, hey, Luke, are you going to tell everybody why we're up here today? Yes, yeah, so today is Grad Sunday, where we're celebrating the high school graduates of 2023. Yeah, so as Henry and I both mentioned, we have grown up in the church. So, Henry... Um, as you've grown through the church, uh, what is one way that Good News has impacted you? Well, Good News Church has impacted me in so many different ways, but I think one of the most important ways to me is um, getting up here to serve my community um, almost every Sunday morning. As some of you know, I'm attending Southeastern University in Lakeland, Florida this um, upcoming August. And <laughs> And I'll be um, majoring in worship studies, and it's just been such a blessing to um, practice and pursue what God has um, told me to do. So, how about you, Luke? Uh, good news has impacted me in so many ways uh, through all the youth groups, uh, Monday and Wednesday night, uh, middle school and high school, uh, through all the camps and the summer camps and the midwinter camps that we've done, um, through all the events that Good News has put on, just having so much fun. Uh, shout out to Caleb, who's in my youth group. You want to shout out? <laughs> uh, yeah, just so many ways that good news has blessed me. So, uh, yeah, that's so awesome. <laughs> what would you say is your favorite good news church memory? Favorite good news church memory? Okay, so a while back, uh, one of the Christmas services, I forget which one it was, but um, good news had a live nativity set up. So it was, uh, you know, Mary, Joseph, baby Jesus, and outside animals. And one of the sheep happened to be pregnant and give birth that night. So it was crazy because we're celebrating the birth of Jesus and this sheep just like pops on out. So <laughs> yeah, it was just, it was crazy and you know, it's it very hard to describe. But what about you, Henry? Well, <laughs> I have to say that my favorite memory is probably just um, the memories I made with all my friends who are, I can call my family basically. Um, Speaking of, on behalf of all my friends who are graduating this year, we want to thank all of you guys who supported us growing up and who will continue to support us as 
we take the next step in our lives. And to show our appreciation, um, we made a slideshow. So have fun. so fun to see all of us growing up. Shout out to Matthew, absolute stud. <laughs> I, I'll pray for you guys while um, Pastor Smiley comes up to talk. Jesus, thank you so much for today. Um, thank you for this opportunity we get to not acknowledge what us graduates have done, but what you have done through us, Lord. I pray that as we take the next step into our lives, that we find strength and perseverance with you, Lord, and I pray that you would um, help Pastor Smiley, um, give him the words that he needs to um, share and make disciples, Lord, and I pray that um, everyone um, grows their relationship with you today, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, Henry and Luke. That was the best host time ever. <laughs> only one thing would have made it better, Henry, if you had worn your Superman outfit. That would have made it, that's, the, that's the only improvement we could have had. So. Oh, man, that was so good. It's amazing to have a lot of history with people and just remember meeting their parents and seeing them get married and their kids grow up. What a blessing. Wow. Um, where am I? Okay. This week we had a special event. We had a first-time serve of Nick McClure, and we're thankful for all the first-time serves around here. <clears throat> we're also excited this week we saw one person who put their faith in Christ, and we rejoice with that. And uh, even better than that, there were two people who had a chance to lead this person to faith in Christ. So more and more of our members are having the opportunity of an 
of introducing a friend to faith in Christ, and I'm praying that all of us would have that opportunity this year. What a joy to, inv- to, to help a friend meet our best friend, isn't it? There's nothing quite like that. Uh, if you're new, we're studying through the book of 1 Timothy together on Sunday mornings, and uh, the title of today's message is To Avoid False Teaching. To Avoid False Teaching. And so if you're new, I want to give you a little background that will help you understand the message today that uh, the Apostle Paul planted a church in Ephesus on his third missionary journey. It was about 55 AD. And as Paul, after he spent three years there, which was a long time for Paul to spend in one church, after three years, he issued a warning to the church about false teaching. It's found in the book of Acts, chapter 20. If you have your Bible, you can turn there with me. And it's, it's quite a warning Acts 20, verse 28, be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. So uh, he's asking the elders, the overseers, to be on guard for themselves first and then also for the flock so they're not led astray by false teachers. Uh, To shepherd the church of God which he purchased with his own blood I know that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves, men will arise speaking perverse things to draw away uh, the disciples after them. So he says, be careful, because false teachers can come from the outside in, and they can also rise up from the inside. So keep your eyes open. Therefore, be on the alert. Stay awake. Remembering that night and day for a period of three years, I did not cease to admonish each one with tears. And now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace. The way you can keep from being led astray is is to stay close to God and to his word of grace, the gospel, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. So Paul issued this warning, and now it's many years later, and Timothy... Timothy is the pastor of the church now in Ephesus. Timothy's the pastor. And Paul is writing 1 Timothy to him. And he's discipling Timothy. He's teaching Timothy how to be an effective pastor, how to be an effective disciple maker. And he's taught him how to raise up elders and and how to get the people to love each other. And he's continually reminding them to avoid false teaching. And uh, he's going to teach us today the best way to avoid false teachers is to know the truth, to know the truth in the The point of today's message that we're going to focus on is that Jesus is the treasure. That if we really know Jesus and we know that he's the treasure, then we'll be able to spot those things that are not true or not the treasure. So with that kind of um, introduction, now we're ready to read our passage today, which is from 1 Timothy chapter 6. It's a great idea to bring a Bible with you uh, and get familiar with it. It won't bite you, but it will help you. 1 Timothy 6, 3, If anyone advocates a different doctrine and and does not agree with sound words, those of our Lord Jesus Christ and with the doctrine conforming to godliness. Now, I want you to see the word doctrine. The Greek word for doctrine means teaching. Doctrine means teaching, that doctrine is the teaching of the Bible. 
And this week I had the privilege or the joy twice to go through our doctrine as I taught Discover Good News. And once again, I was reminded of the doctrine of salvation, the doctrine of salvation. Would you read this with me? We believe a person is saved by God's grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. And I was reminded that we're saved by God's grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. Thank you, Lord. I was reminded that's doctrine. It's the teaching of the Bible. And as we were walking through our doctrine, I, we got to look at the doctrine of Scripture, the doctrine of the Bible, uh, with the authority of the Bible. We believe the Bible is the Word of God and has the right to command our belief and action. We believe the Bible is God's Word and it has the right to command our belief. So if we want to know what to believe, we open the Bible. And, uh, and action, if we want to know what's the right way to live, we open up the Bible. Uh, it was so good to be reminded of sound doctrine. We believe the scriptures to be the inspired. means that God breathed into men who wrote down exactly what God intended. Inerrant. That because the scriptures were inspired, they're without error as originally given. Infallible. They're trustworthy, authoritative. We have a final authority to appeal to. And sufficient word of God. Everything we need to know. To, to know Jesus and be equipped for every good work is in the scriptures. So that's what doctrine is. <clears throat> it's the teaching of the Bible. <clears throat> and then there's sound doctrine. See the word sound? It's interesting, the Greek word here meant healthy, healthy, life-giving. Oh, sound doctrine is precious because it produces health. It's, it's life-giving. And, and I want to teach you two characteristics, two characteristics of sound doctrine. Notice, the sound words, those of our Lord Jesus Christ. Sound doctrine is Christ-centered. It's Christ-centered. You can always hear good sound doctrine because what it teaches is Jesus is the treasure. Jesus is the treasure. Jesus is the treasure. So the first characteristic of sound doctrine is Christ-centered. The second is that it leads to godliness. And we've been learning Paul loves the word godly in this, in this book, and it means being well-devoted. So when there's sound doctrine taught, it leads to being well-devoted to Jesus. And that's why when Jesus is our treasure, following him will be our pleasure. When we have sound doctrine and Jesus is our treasure, wow, then we, we follow him. So, the two characteristics of sound doctrine, Christ-centered, Jesus is the treasure, it leads to godliness. When Jesus is our treasure, following him will be our pleasure. But if someone's teaching something different, he is conceited and understands nothing. But he has a morbid interest in controversial questions and disputes about words. Uh, when we're listening to teachers, do they talk about everything but Jesus? Do they talk about all these different things, all these controversial things, but do they never mention his name? Listen, when someone doesn't mention the name of Jesus, you know it's false teaching. So, and then the second thing, notice what it leads to. Rather than godliness, <clears throat> a morbid interest in controversial questions and disputes about words, out of which arise envy, strife, abusive language, evil suspicions, and constant friction between men of depraved mind and deprived of the truth. Talk about two bad D's there, right? 
to be depraved, uh, to have a depraved mind and to be deprived of the truth, who suppose that godliness is a means of great gain. So when we're examining teaching, we understand sound doctrine is Christ-centered. Are they teaching that Jesus is the treasure? And then we realize that the sound doctrine leads to godliness. Are they teaching that when Jesus is the treasure, following him will be our pleasure? One of the false teachings of our time is called the prosperity gospel. The prosperity gospel. Now, I've taught you. See if you can hear the difference between sound doctrine and this. What the prosperity gospel teaches is Jesus can help you get your treasure. Did you hear the difference? The difference between Jesus is the treasure and that Jesus will help you get your treasure. And so what the prosperity gospel teaches <clears throat> that if you follow Jesus, you'll be wealthy and happy. You'll be wealthy and healthy all the time in this life. And I want you to know that sells. A person can make a lot of money if that's what they taught. And, uh, and, and that's what he says here, that they want to, they see godliness as a means of great gain. So the best way, the best way to avoid false teaching is to know the truth. Not to spend a lot of time examining all the false teaching, but to know the truth because when you know the truth, when you know sound doctrine, then you can spot error. And so we're going to take a little review of what we've learned this year in 1 Timothy because Paul has been teaching Timothy sound doctrine and us sound doctrine so we can spot false teaching. Remember when we were back in verse Chapter 1, verse 15, where Paul said, It is a trustworthy desert, a trustworthy statement deserving full acceptance. That means this is sound doctrine. That Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, among whom I am foremost of all. The doctrine that we need to be most clear on is the gospel that Jesus came to save sinners. Now, that's the good news, but the bad news that's in there is that we are sinners. We are sinners, and we are sinners by birth and by choice. Did you know that? We are double sinners, that we were born sinners and we choose to sin. Each of us inherited from our parents a sinful human nature, and because we are sinners, we choose to sin. Now, now that's the standard of truth. I've been teaching you about. But the evidence of truth is, does it conform to reality? Is there any evidence in the world? Any evidence in the world that we're sinners? Any evidence? Isn't it How about our own lives? I mean, our own family, our own lives. Listen, it's true, we're all sinners. And because we're sinners, we sin. And what is a sin? It's a crime against God. We say to God, God, I won't put you first. I won't honor my father and mother. I won't reserve sex for marriage. I won't tell the truth. I will do life my way. And every sin we commit is a crime against God, a God who's just, who can't just wink at our sin and let us in the back door. And God says what we deserve for what we've done is hell itself. Oh, and when we understand the bad news, the good news is so good that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. So God the Son put on flesh and came to earth to save sinners. He lived a perfect life for us, and then he went to the cross. And what happened on the cross was the one who had never sinned was made sin. 
all our sin was placed on Jesus, and because he loved us, he died in our place once and for all to pay in full the penalty for our sins. He stayed on the cross until he could cry out, it is finished. He died, he was buried. But the third day, he walked out of the tomb, and when he walked out of the tomb, he proved that he had conquered sin and death. And he offers to us the greatest gift ever given, the gift of eternal life, which is a free gift. And what is eternal life? It's the forgiveness for all of our sins. It's the opportunity to do life with Jesus and do eternity with Jesus. And how do we receive this gift? By faith, by believing. It is a trustworthy statement deserving full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners among whom I am foremost of all. Yet for this reason, I found mercy so that in me as the foremost, Jesus Christ might demonstrate his perfect patience as an example for those who would believe in him for eternal life that we believe in Jesus for eternal life. And isn't that exactly what Jesus taught in John 6, verse 47? <clears throat> Would you read this with me? Truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes has eternal life. Now, when Jesus says truly, truly, what's he saying? This is important. Don't miss this. Now, as you read this verse, who does Jesus say has eternal life? Everyone who believes. So if you believe, what does he say about you? that you have eternal life. And if you don't believe, then he, he says you don't have life. And then that raises the question, then, what does it mean to believe? Oh, man, my voice is all over the place, isn't it? Listen, the voice isn't good, but the message is good, okay? <laughs> to believe is as simple as A, B, C, where we admit and believe and commit. And listen, if, if you've never done this, one day it'll be too late to receive eternal life, why not do this today? You can do this right now or I'll help you when we close in prayer. But what it really means to believe in Jesus, it means we start when we admit, Jesus, listen, I've sinned against you. It's not just the world that's a mess. I'm a mess. I've sinned against you. And then we believe, Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for my sins and rose. And then we commit, we trust him as Savior and Lord. Jesus, come in and be my Savior and forgive me and give me eternal life. Oh, I want you to be Lord of my life. Help me be the person you want me to be. Won't you? Don't wait until it's too late. Now, <clears throat> back to 1 Timothy. Who would believe in him for eternal life? Now, notice what happens. Paul goes right from theology to doxology. Now to the king, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. How can any of us? Be saved without that leading to doxology, to praise. Listen, sound doctrine leads to godliness. When we understand that Jesus is the treasure, it leads to being well devoted to him, that when Jesus is our treasure, following him will be our pleasure. <clears throat> That's why throughout this letter, Paul's been teaching us sound doctrine. And the more we know the truth, the easier it is for us to spot error. Remember when we were in chapter 2? In chapter 2, first of all then, I urge that entreaties and prayers, petitions and thanksgivings be made on behalf of all men. How's your prayer life? Does this verse expand it a little bit? It says that we're to pray for what? All people. Wow. And including in that, for kings and for all who are in authority. Why? So that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. Now, you don't have to answer me, but do you complain more about our civil government or do you pray more for them? 
The scriptures don't call us to complain, but they do call us to what? To pray, do we? Um, This is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. Do you know why I'm so thankful to be a Christian? Because God's our Savior. Do you know in religion you have to save yourself? But our God is so amazing. Our God saves sinners. He's the only chance I have. Who desires all men to be saved? The reason we want to share our faith is God wants all men to to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. God wants people to know the truth. And Jesus is the truth. And what is the truth we need to know? For there is one God. The truth is there's one God and one mediator also between God and man. The man, Christ Jesus. Do you know what a mediator is? It means God's over here and he's holy and just and we're over here and we're sinners and we're apart. And what's a mediator? Someone who gets in the middle, right, and brings the two together. So who is Jesus? He's fully God, right? And he's also what? Fully man. And he brings us together. He brings us together. And how does he do it? Who gave himself as a ransom for all, the testimony given at the proper time. That's the doctrine of the substitutionary atonement, that Jesus became our substitute to atone for our sins, to bring God and man together. But did you know in the so-called progressive church today, they're teaching that the substitutionary atonement is cosmic child abuse? The very center of the gospel is being disparaged as child abuse. If you want to know what the God of the Bible is like, look at the cross. God is most clearly revealed in the cross. On the cross, God declares that God is just. And every sin ever committed will be punished. No one will get away with sin. It'll either be punished in us, in hell forever, or in Jesus on the cross once and for all. God is just. But the cross declares that God is love. The Father had a plan. The Son volunteered to become our substitute and atone for our sins on the cross by experiencing the wrath of God that our sins deserve. That way, God and man could be reconciled together. Um, Who gave himself as a ransom for all at the proper time, uh, a ransom for all, the testimony given at the proper time. For I was appointed a preacher and an apostle, I'm telling the truth, I'm not lying as a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth. When God and men are, are, are far apart and we've been reconciled, we want to go and tell others how they can be reconciled to God. And then remember, remember the best way to spot error is to know the truth. Remember when we were in chapter 3 in 1 Timothy 3? And Paul wrote in verse 14, I am writing these things to you, hoping to come to you before long. But in case I am delayed, I write so that you will know how one ought to conduct himself in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and support of the truth. 
And so what is the church? The Greek word for church is ekklesia, the called out ones. We have been called out of the world, out of the world to belong in the church. The church is the family of God. We're part of God's family. And why are we here on earth? Why are we here? We are the pillar and support of the truth. Have you noticed we live in a confused culture? Have you noticed that? Do you know our culture uh, doesn't know where they came from nor where they're going? Do you know that our culture doesn't know what a man is or what a woman is or what marriage is? Have you noticed that? They're lost. They don't know. They're confused. And the church is here to be the pillar of truth, to be a voice of truth in a culture that desperately needs truth. There's never been a better time to be the church, a place to belong in a voice of truth. We're here as the body of Christ, the pillar and support of the truth. You say, well, what is truth? In John 14, what did Jesus say? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth. And the life, no one comes to the Father but through me. Jesus said, I'm the truth. Truth exists. Truth is not a social construct. Truth exists. Truth is knowable. It's knowable in a person. And his name is Jesus. And when we know Jesus, we know the truth. What a great time to be the church. Not only is Jesus the truth, but we read this week about Jesus praying for us, didn't we? And remember when he was praying for us, what he said about the truth in John 17? He said, sanctify them in the truth, your word is true. What if we believe that? In our confused culture, we had a book that was filled with truth. I've shared with you often how our oldest daughter, every time she would get a book, she'd open it up and she loved to smell books. If we believe this book was about Jesus, if we believed it was God's word, it was truth in a confused culture, wouldn't we pick it up and breathe it in? <clears throat> and what is that truth that we get when we open up his word back to 1 Timothy? By common confession. You see that? The Christian life is a team sport. We do this together. This is either this is either a hymn that the early church sang or a creed that they would use when they got together to say, this is our common faith. This is what we believe together. By common faith, great is the mystery of godliness. It's this truth that Jesus is the treasure that leads to godliness, that being well-devoted, that when Jesus is our treasure, following him will be our pleasure. Um, he who was revealed in the flesh. What is the truth? The truth is that God the Son put on flesh and came to earth. That's the truth. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we saw His glory, glorious of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. What is the truth? He was, reveal he was revealed in the flesh, was vindicated in the Spirit. You know what the word vindicated means? It means authenticated. Isn't the Holy Spirit all over the life of Jesus? Didn't we learn last week that Jesus was conceived in the womb of Mary by the power of the Holy Spirit, right? And, and as Jesus is about to begin his earthly ministry, at his baptism, the Holy Spirit 
descends upon him, right? So he was, uh, he, he was filled with the Holy Spirit. And, and we read how he was led by the Holy Spirit. And then we read that he was raised from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit. He was authenticated, vindicated by the Spirit. He was seen by angels. Were angels all around his life? Last week we learned that an angel announced to Mary that she would be the one to give birth to the Savior. And remember when Joseph didn't believe Mary, it was an angel who came and said to, to Joseph, Mary was telling you the truth, this child is by the Holy Spirit. And weren't it angels that announced to the shepherds that the Savior had been born? And after Jesus was tempted, it weren't the angels that ministered to him? And my favorite, after Jesus rose from the dead, the women go out to the tomb. And the angel said, uh, why do you seek for the living one among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. And then my favorite part, just like he said. Weren't you paying attention? He told you. Why are you surprised? Just like he said. He was seen by angels. He was proclaimed among the nations. His last command was to go and make disciples of all the nations. He was believed on in the world. All over the world, people are believing in Christ. Taken up in glory, Jesus ascended into heaven. <clears throat> so, we are encouraged to are warned about false teachers to avoid false teaching. So back where we started in 1 Timothy 6.3, if anyone advocates a different doctrine and does not agree with sound words, <clears throat> those of our Lord Jesus Christ and with the doctrine conforming to godliness, the best way to not be led astray is to know the truth. And so we've learned there's two characteristics of sound doctrine. The first is that it's Christ-centered. We listen. Do they teach that Jesus is the treasure? Jesus is the treasure. And then secondly, does it lead to godliness? Does it lead to being well-devoted? Because when Jesus is our treasure, following him will be our pleasure. So that's what we've learned today. And now we come to the action step for today. That, that What I really want you to do is to treasure Jesus. And I can almost hear someone saying, you know, Smiley's lost his mind. That was the point last week. You know, he's so old, he doesn't even remember. And I, I do remember last week. But I also know that sometimes we need to have um, repetition to learn things. Uh, listen, uh, have you been reading with us in John? If you haven't, pick up a study, join us in Acts, because we had such a great time reading in John together. This past week, talking about repetition, that, that after Jesus died, he rose, and in John 20, talking about repetition, I love this verse. So Jesus said to them, what? Again, don't you love that? Uh, come on, your moms, do you ever say that to your kids? If I've told you once, I have to tell you a thousand times. Are you a coach? How many times? Have I taught you that again and again and again? Oh, I just love that again in there, don't you? So Jesus said to them, again, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. So how do we treasure Jesus? Here's how. We need the Word and we need the Holy Spirit. We need them both to treasure Jesus. Because the Bible reveals Jesus as true, but the Holy Spirit reveals him as treasure. When we read God's word or hear God's word, the Bible proclaims Jesus as true, and he is. But the Holy Spirit says he's not just true, he's treasure. He's treasure. Follow him. 
And so when Jesus is our treasure, we'll be able to spot false teaching. We'll be able to say, that's not Jesus. Let me show you a great verse on spotting false teaching. In 2 Corinthians 11, verse 3, But I am afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, Listen, the devil's not the way we think. It's not like he's strong physically. He's a deceiver. He deceives people. He majors in lies and deceptions. That as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, that your minds will be led astray from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. The reason that Eve was deceived is she didn't have a grasp on his word. And so we want his word to fill our minds that Jesus is true and the Holy Spirit reminding us that he's treasure because then we're not led astray. No, I love that. What is the Christian life? What is the life of being a disciple or being a disciple maker? It is a pure and simple devotion to Christ. And when you get that, you can say, that's not Jesus. That's not Jesus. Oh, that is... Jesus. So when, when Jesus is our treasure, we'll be able to spot false teaching. When Jesus is our treasure, following him will be our pleasure. Will be our pleasure. I want to show you that. In John 15, look at this verse. So good. These things I've spoken to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be made full. Now I want you to look at the verse. Jesus says we have a joy problem. And it's not what many of you think. He isn't saying we have too much joy. He's actually saying, what is our problem? That we don't have enough joy. And so he said, I've spoken these things to you so that my joy might be in you and that your joy might be made full. Again, the Holy Spirit's saying, Jesus is the joy giver. He's the joy giver. Follow the joy giver. Let me show you the Older Testament version of that. This is one of my favorite verses, Psalm 1611. You will make known to me the path of life. Do you know there's only two paths? There's the path of death, and there's the path of life. Which do you want to walk on? Jesus says, follow me, what, on the path of life. Because following Jesus leads to life, and sin leads to death and destruction. You will make known to me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. I mean, if we believe that, when Sunday came, we'd love to be together, wouldn't we? In his presence, there's fullness of joy. We have an opportunity to get up in the morning and spend time with Jesus, wouldn't we, if we believe that? In your right hand, there are pleasures forever. But you know what people tell me all the time? Well, you know, Smiley, believing in Jesus is easy. Following him is hard. Is that what you think, that believing in Jesus is easy and following him is hard? Because I always say, you have it exactly backwards. And they'll say, what? I said, the hard work is believing. Following is easy. <clears throat> That's why we need the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, help me to believe that Jesus is the joy giver, that Jesus leads us on the path of life, that in Jesus' presence, there's fullness of joy, that in Jesus' presence, there are pleasures forever. Because if we believe that, There's two paths, death and life. That in his presence there was joy and pleasures forever. We'd follow him if we believed it. 
And the reason we don't follow is because we don't believe. And that's why we pray. Holy Spirit, help me to treasure Jesus. Help me to treasure Jesus. Help me to see him as treasure. Because when Jesus is our treasure, following him will be our pleasure. Here's how that works in my life. When I'm thinking about making a really bad decision, which is most of the time, the Holy Spirit always whispers, who is wiser, you or Jesus? Now, I want you to know, in my mind, I think I'm wiser. But it's very difficult to say that with my lips. It's very difficult to say I'm wiser than Jesus. And then he asked me, and then he asked me, you know, who knows the path to happiness better? Who? You or Jesus? It's really difficult to say that out loud, isn't it? Because it's so untrue. Follow Jesus. Follow Jesus. Follow Jesus. He's wiser than you. Look at the life he lived. Isn't that the way you want to live? Follow him. And that's the standard of truth. (laughs) And you know what? The Holy Spirit loves to whisper in my ear, too, about the evidence of truth. And he says, look at the people around you. Look at the people around you who are doing life their own way. How's it working out? How's it working out? Is that what you want your life to look like? Oh, man. See, when Jesus is our treasure, following him will be our pleasure. We'll spot, we'll spot false teachers. Following him will be our pleasure. When Jesus is our treasure, sharing him with others will be our pleasure. It will be. Jesus said, what, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Because when we follow Jesus and see what a treasure he is, we want to share him with everyone. I mean, come on, when you're around people, how long do you need to be around them for you to discover what their treasure is? Hmm? How long does it take? But the question I would ask you is the people where you live, work, and play, how many of them know that Jesus is your treasure? Um, let me show you. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 5, for we do not preach ourselves but Christ Jesus as Lord, and ourselves as your bondservants for Jesus' sake. Why well, I love being a Christian and, and an evangelist and a pastor is I get to exalt Jesus. If I had to tell others how wonderful I am, that would be a very difficult calling. Do you notice we don't preach ourselves, we preach Christ Jesus as Lord? Um, listen, recently a lady is saying, Smiley, you always put yourself down, you always put yourself down, you're not that bad. Let me assure you, anything I ever share with you about how bad I am, there is far worse I'm not sharing. (laughs) But I said with her, listen, Jesus and me love to play together on the playground. And one of the things on the playground is a seesaw, right? And on the seesaw, when, when I go down, the other person goes up. But when I go up, the other person comes down. And you've been on those, right? You didn't want to get on one with me because I'd love to get to the bottom, have them up in the air and... You knew what I would do, right? Just jump off. Smiley, you're horrible. I am. I tell you that. You don't believe it. I think about doing that with Jesus, but that's a bad idea. But here's what happens. If I exalt myself on the seesaw, what happens to Jesus? He gets diminished, right? But when I tell people how flawed I really am, you know what happens? Jesus gets lifted up. Because if I told you Jesus came to save really good people like me, I mean, that would be okay. 
But what did we learn today? That Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, among whom I am foremost of all. Is is there anyone like Jesus who loves sinners? Um, And listen to what it says next. For God who said, Light shall shine out of darkness is the one who is shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. Um, I know I'm old, but I wasn't there. Wouldn't you love to have been there at creation? Wouldn't you love to have been there when everything was filled with darkness and God said, let there be light, and the lights came on? I wasn't there. But I was there. I was there on the day when in the darkness of my life, the Spirit of God said, let there be light. And when the light came on, I saw my sin as I had never seen it before. And I said, I am a mess and I am in trouble. And then I saw the beauty of Jesus. Have you seen him? (laughs) Who died for me. And I saw Jesus saying, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice, I will. No wonder. Come on in. You know what happens when we share the gospel? We're praying that the Holy Spirit, as we share, would, would shine in their hearts and say, Let there be light. Because we just fumble through sharing the bad news and the good news and inviting people to respond. But it's when the Spirit says, let there be light, we get to witness the light coming on and people seeing their sin and seeing Jesus and saying, yes. What a joy, what a privilege. Listen to this, but we have this treasure in earthly vessels. Listen, no one in here is more messed up than I am, but I have a treasure. I know Jesus. He's my treasure. And he's in an earthly vessel. Listen, I'm a mess, but he's treasure so that the surpassing greatness of the power will be of God and not from ourselves. Let me ask you, who do you know? Who do you know who would love to hear what we've learned about today? Won't you go and share with him? Hey, we learned about treasure. Matter of fact, I'd love for all of us to have a treasure conversation this week. I love to go first. So I've been this past week spending time with people and asking them, could I ask you a question? And when they say yes, I say, what's your treasure? And it's a really good question. What's your treasure? And just listen to people and find out what their treasure is. Be inquisitive. And and if they ask you back, be ready. And when I ask people, what is your treasure? You know what they ask me? What is my treasure? Oh, man. Jesus is my treasure. He has given me eternal life. You know what that means? He's forgiven me. I've done a lot of things wrong in my life. Have you ever done anything wrong? He's forgiven me of everything I've ever done. Would you like to be forgiven? You can, you know. You really can. You know why Jesus is my treasure? I get to do life with him. I have a friend. I disappoint people all the time. I make them mad and they leave. But Jesus, when he moved in, said, I'm never leaving. What would you give for a friend who never leaves? You can have one, you know. Oh, you know why Jesus is my treasure? He's given me a purpose bigger than myself, something to give my life to every day of the week where I can get up and be excited each day. Wouldn't you like a purpose to get you out of bed in the morning? You can, you know. 
Uh, but the greatest thing about Jesus as my treasure is I have a future. Did you know people are forever? It's either eternal life or eternal punishment. And I am so thankful that my treasure treasured me so much that he died on the cross for my sins so that I could be his treasure with him forever. Wouldn't you like to be with Jesus forever, wouldn't you? You can, you know. You really, really can. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for coming to save sinners, even me. Thank you for dying on the cross and, and rising and, and offering us eternal life. And listen, if this is the day when the lights came on in your life and you understand your sin and need of Jesus and, and you'd like this gift, Jesus is here. Won't you just tell him, Jesus, I've sinned against you and I'm sorry. And I believe you died on the cross for my sins and rose. And I want you to come in and be my Savior and forgive me and, and give me eternal life. Oh, I want you to be Lord of my life. Help me be the person you want me to be. Well, if you've done that for the first time, way to go. Won't you mark that on your card? We'd love to celebrate with you or tell someone. Come up and tell me, hey, today I received that gift. I would be so glad to celebrate with you. And Jesus, I pray for all of us who've received you that we would remember that you're our treasure, that Jesus is the treasure. Lord, help us to treasure you this week. Uh, in your word and spirit so that when we hear false teaching, we know that's not Jesus. That's not Jesus. Jesus, help us to treasure you this week so that following you will be our pleasure. Listen, if you're here today and you're stuck in a sin, I want you to know it's not really a sin problem. It's a treasure problem. The only way to overcome that sin is with a greater treasure. Won't you ask the Holy Spirit to open your eyes? To open your eyes and see Jesus, the greater treasure. Because when Jesus is our treasure, sin loses its grip on us. And Lord, <clears throat> help us this week to treasure you so that we find that we're just talking about you, that the people around us, they know who our treasure is. It's you, Jesus. Lord, I pray that all of us this week would ask someone, what's your treasure? And, and Lord, give, may they ask us back. And may treasure conversations break out all over the county this week. Oh, may many, many people get to hear what we learned about today, that Jesus is the treasure. And we pray in Jesus' name.